كوتش آل باقي الويل الإمام أحمد والشافعي والبخاري ومسلم والبيهقي والدار قطني والحاكم والترمذي أبو داوود not in order those men they used to search for the hadith of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-Hajjaj Sufyan ibn Uyayna all of those people are narrators of hadith scholars of hadith who studied how the hadith was transmitted and make sure they only take that which is authentic according to certain conditions that they use so you see just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used Abu Bakr and Uthman and the rest of the companions to protect the Quran Allah, Allah also used men like Al-Bukhari and Muslim Imam Ahmad and so on and so forth to protect the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we believe that the book of Allah is protected and this protection is inclusive to the book of Allah and to the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Also, part of our belief in the Book of Allah is to believe that we have to rule by the Book of Allah. We have to judge a fable and live by the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This book was not revealed for the purpose of putting it on a shelf and read a few pages of it here and there for just to receive it very well. But also that book was revealed to make it the constitution of our life. To make it the source of guidance for our life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, إِنَّا أَنْزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ لِتَحْكُبَ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِمَا أَرَاكَ اللَّهِ We have revealed the book to you with the truth for you to judge amongst the people in that which you understood from the book. So one of our most important manifestation in the believing in the book of Allah is to believe that we have to make the book of Allah the judge in our life, the constitution of our life. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Nisha, Ya ayyuhu al-lazina amanu atiru Allah wa atiru al-Rasoola wa uli al-Amri minkum. Fa'in tanaza'atum fi shay'in, sawudduhu ila Allah wa al-Rasool. Thalika khayr wa ahsanu ta'awila. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, All who you believe, obey Allah and obey the messenger and those who have authority over you. Nevertheless, if you have dispute amongst each other, bring that dispute to Allah. It means to the book of Allah. And to the Prophet. You bring the dispute to the Prophet when he was alive. After his death, you bring it to his sunnah. 
If you are believers in Allah and the Jew'an in the last day, so a condition of us being believers in Allah and in the last day for us to resolve our disputes according to the book of Allah and to the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa taala said in, in subsequent ayahs, for those who claim that they believe in that which was revealed to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and they claim that they believe in that which was revealed before the Prophet you want to they want to make the Ta'ud the judge amongst them. God decides believing in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Believing in the book of Allah means to make the book of Allah the judge, the ruler over us. Some people do not rule for the, in the what, uh, do not rule by the book of Allah for different reasons. A person who does not rule by the book of Allah because he thinks that the book of Allah is not applicable at that time, at this time, this person is a disbeliever after the evidence has been shown to him and all this understanding has been clarified for him. Not automatically, after the evidence has been brought to him. A person who thinks that his personal judgment is better than the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, therefore he's not going to rule by the rules of Allah, this person also is a disbeliever. Again, after evidence is to be brought to him and all this understanding to be purified for him. So we have a person who thinks the book of Allah is not applicable, a person who thinks that his ruling, personal ruling better than the book of Allah, a person that thinks the book of Allah contains the best of ruling, but he does not rule by it for the sake of transgression. You know, the book of Allah says you have to do this and this, but he does not want to do it, so he does different things for him to get the rights of others. This person is not disbelieving, because in his heart he believes he has to rule by the book of Allah, but he does not do that because of his transgressive nature. This person is a transgressor. Also a person who does not rule by the book of Allah because his evil desires are pushing him to rule by other than the rule of Allah to satisfy his desires. This person is not a disbeliever 
he's a believer because he believes he has to rule by the book of Allah. Nevertheless, he's not doing so to follow his temptation. This person would be classified as trafficked. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, describing those three situations, وَمَن لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ And he said, وَمَن لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْظَالِمُونَ And he said, وَمَن لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ Whoever does not fall by the book of Allah, those are the disbelievers. And that applies to those who do not fall by the book of Allah, Because they believe in the heart that they should not fool by the Book of Allah for whatever reason. And the Book of Allah should be abrogated. But those who do not fool by the Book of Allah for the sake of transgressing, they are transgressors, as long as they believe they have to rule by the Book of Allah. And those who do not fool by the Book of Allah, and attempt to follow their temptations and desires, This person is a fasting. So we know now that this, those ayahs, dear Akhwan, they not only reveal to the rulers or to the governors, every one of us is responsible and it's his duty to rule by the Book of Allah within his authority. And each one of us has certain authority over a certain demeanor. You rule with the Book of Allah in your own dom domain. So the man, he is the leader of his household. He has to rule by the rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his household. This ayah is applicable for him. So if somebody says, I do not want my hijab, my wife to wear the hijab, then why you don't want your wife to wear the hijab? Knowing that, that Allah ruled in his book for the woman to wear the hijab. Now you have to rule by this rule. He says, this is something of the past. Something was the custom and it is overdone. We have to be civilized. And we have to be presentable in our society. Therefore, this rule we should not rule by. We have to, we have to be serious with that. We don't have to make sure that he understands what he is saying. We have to make them understand that the Book of Allah is for all time. We have to make them understand that the rules of Allah is best than any other rule. But he insists that he is not ruling by the Book of Allah. Out of despising the Book of Allah, and out of not believing that he has ruled by the Book of Allah, this person falls into outside the fold of Islam. Whereas if a person who doesn't why 
You do not want your wife to wear hijab. You say, okay, I know that she should wear hijab. I know that. But you know, I am a weak person and I have a lot of meetings. I work with such and such company. I go to dinners. I have to take my wife with me and it's not bring difficulties for me. So I'm not really for the sake of Allah for this reason, even though I know and I submit that the woman may have to wear their hijab, this person falls into the category of being a fascist. Whereas a person who will not do that to transgress, who does not rule by the book of Allah to transgress, he will be classified as a transgressor. So this book, part of believing in this book from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to believe that we have to rule by this book. To make this book the constitution of our life. To bring our dispute and differences to be solved according to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We live in this society where the rule of the land if divorce happens between a man and his wife, she gets half what he gets, what he owns. Is that correct? Huh? We have the rule of Islam that she gets the nafaka if she's pregnant and she gets what they agree upon. If a woman divorces her husband, or a divorce happens in a, between a, health, a Muslim man and a Muslim wife, and her, for the sake of getting half of his money, goes to the court and sue him to get half of his money, is she ruling by the book of Allah? She is not ruling by the book of Allah. Why she is not ruling by the book of Allah? If she says, I know that, and after the evidence has presented to her, but she is doing that to transgress and take money. She is still classified as a disbeliever, as a believer, but she is doing an act of transgression. But if she thinks the rule of Islam is not just in that aspect, and the rule of the disbeliever is just and more equitable to her, after evidence, I see how many times I'm repeating, after evidence are presented to her, and misunderstanding are clarified, if she insists, she is a disbeliever because she is ruling not by the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that defies our belief in the book of Allah and our belief that Allah is the most wise and the best of the judges. So, Aslan, we have insha'Allah to learn and to study and to know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put and constituted in his book for us to rule by his book in every aspect in our life in every little issue that we have to deal with in our life we have to rule by the book of Allah you, you want to put your shoes on the rule of Allah not to put your shoes on while you are standing so you have to rule by the book of Allah and sit while you put your shoes on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rules for you to say Bismillah before you eat. So you have to say Bismillah before. Every little order and command 
is a representation of the to rule by the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, do in our belief in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to hold on to the book. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْقٌ وَرِثُ الْكِتَابَةِ يَأْخُذُونَ عَرَضَ هَذَا الْأَدْنَى وَيَقُولُونَ سَيُغْفَرُ لَنَا وَإِنْ يَأْتِهِمْ عَرَضٌ مِثْلُهُ يَأْخُذُوهُ أَلَمْ يُؤْخَذْ عَلَيْهِمْ مِثَاقُ الْكِتَابِ أَلَّا يَقُولُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْحَقِّ وَدَرَسُوا مَا فِيهِ وَالدَّارُ الْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ وَالَّذِينَ يُمَسِّكُونَ بِالْكِتَابِ وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ إِنَّا لَا نُطِعُ أَجْرَ الْمُصْلِحِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in this ayah A generation came after them that they inherited the book And here, the word inherited the book. Things that you get and you earn, you deal with it differently than things that you have inherited, because it came to you easy. The money that you work for and you strive to obtain, you deal with it different than the money that you inherited. Those people, they inherited the book, they did not strive to protect the book. They did not strive to study the book. They did not lose their life in defending the book, but rather they inherited the book. What they do? Every time there is an ultimatum between the book and this life, they will put the book of Allah aside and they do the game and they take and they try to obtain the hukam of this life. And on top of that, they do that and they say, Allah will forgive us. So they do it and they depend on the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they do that repeatedly. Every time there is an ultimatum between ruling and implementing the book of Allah or getting things of this life, they prefer to take things of this life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then those people, the covenant was, take from, was taken from them that they only say the truth. How did they know that Allah would forgive them? They say, فَيُغْفَرُ لَنَا Did you take a covenant from Allah that Allah will forgive you? So the covenant was taken upon them to say the truth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, the year after is better than that which is available for those who are pious, willing to reflect. And then he said, those who make others hold on to the book and establish the prayer, those are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not wait the reward of the corrector. So from this ayah we know who are the, cor- the correctors and who are the corrupters. Man humul muslihoon and man humul muslihoon. Al muslihoon the, co- the correctors are those who try to hold on to the book and call others to hold on to the book and they establish the prayer. And al-muqsidun are those who call the people to stay away from the book. Al-muqsidun are those who come up with different and weird theologies and ideologies and ideas all 
all of them are in contradiction and in opposition of the book. Even though they name themselves reformers and social, whatever social people that were working for the society to improve the society, to bring improvement to the society, as long as they are doing that and defying the book, they are not from the correctors. Actually, those are the corruptors of on earth. Because there is no better correction on this earth than implementing the book of Allah. Those who do not implement the book of Allah, they are making corruption on the earth. So part of one, our strong belief in the book of Allah mandates upon us to hold on to the book of Allah and to call others to hold on to the book of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Is it time to call the other one? Another issue connected to believing in the book of Allah is to seek healing in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he said وننزل من القرآن ما هو شفاء ورحمة للمؤمنين. وننزل من بوك ذات which is a healing and blessing for the believers. Also Allah سبحانه وتعالى says قد جاءكم قد جاءتكم موعظة من ربكم وشفاء لما تصدون. You have received an advice from your Lord and a healing to that which is in the chest. The hearts are in the chest. Our hearts will have two types of illness. Other than the physical illness. The spiritual illness. The illness of the desire. Al-Shahawat. Marad al-Shahawat. Wa marad al-Shubuhat. The illness of desire and the illness of misunderstanding. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضًا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضًا Those are the ones who have in, in their heart the illness of al-shubuhat, the illness of misunderstanding. Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the believing women of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لا تخضعنا بالقول فيقمع الذي في قلبه مرض. Do not be tough in your speech, so the one who has an illness in his heart will not have and exceed his boundaries and have some kind of hope in his heart. And this type of illness is the illness of desire. The Quran will heal those two illnesses. Those two illnesses will, if they take control of the heart, will incapacitate the Muslim, will render the Muslim to be helpless. Because every Muslim has two abilities. First of one, the ability of understanding, quote, is right. 
And the second ability is the will or the force of will. As far as your ability of comprehension, your ability of comprehension, that can be incapacitated with misunderstanding. If a person has the illness of misunderstanding, then everything he reads, every knowledge that he obtains, it will be misunderstood because he has some misunderstanding in his heart. Whereas a, a believer or a person who is afflicted with the disease of desire, that will affect his will. His will will be weakened. Therefore, he is not going to do that which is correct, but he's going to follow the desires and the temptations. The Quran will heal the illnesses of our heart. When the Quran comes in the heart, all that you have, the misunderstanding will be removed and all the desires will be repressed and brought away with it. So this is why the Quran will heal the heart. So we have insha'Allah and the healing of the Quran is not only for spiritual aspects but also for physical illnesses, a person can receive a healing from the Qur'an. We have stories in the time of the Prophet and the time of the righteous predecessors and time after that when healing was administered by the recitation of Al-Qur'an. Having said that, I think we have talked and we covered many issues concerning believing in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remember that was not meant to be covering every aspect. We have missed something and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attribute perfection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It's worth mentioning that those elements that we have mentioned concerning belief in the book of Allah, they are varying concerning their importance and relation to the believing of the book of Allah. So the person who does not seek healing from the Qur'an is different than the one who does not rule by the Qur'an. How we take that, we stop at this point, inshallah, if you have any... If you have any questions, inshallah, we answer them briefly and quickly for us to get ready for Salat al-Isha. وَهَذَا وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمَ وَبَارَكَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلَّمَ in English, uh, depravity. Depravity means fasting. And for us to 
interpreted a concept is the one who disobeyed and fall into the prohibition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we have heard many ayahs, some of them in Surah Al-An'am and some of them in Surah Al-Nisa. Inshallah, we'll refer back to the tapes for those questions in locating different ayahs. Depends on why you are studying the law. If you are studying the law of witness for the purpose of showing the fault and the mistake and the discrepancies in that law, then it's okay to study that law. But if you are studying that law for you to come and implement that law, then it's not okay for you to study that law. Um, I Prophet not as an act of worship. 
but was an act of habit. Those which were acts of habit, we do not make them part of the religious practices. For example, we know that the Prophet loved to eat honey. But he did not eat honey as an act of worshipping Allah. That was his prefer personal preference to eat honey. Therefore, if somebody does not like to eat honey, we do not tell him you are opposing the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad because that was an action that was done by the Prophet out of his personal preference. But anything else that was done by the Prophet as an act of worship is one of three things. Things that are exclusive to the Prophet and we cannot take his examples in those things. And things that he did and he commanded us to do as mandatory practices, those things that we have to implement. And there are things that he asked us to do, but not to be mandatory practices, but optional practices. Those things that are optional for us to do. For example, it's an optional for you when the, to pray two rak'at before Maghrib. The Prophet said, pray two rak'at before Maghrib. Pray two rak'at before Maghrib, and then the third time he said to whoever wants to do so. So if a person does not pray those two rak'at, he is not opposing the sunnah of the Prophet because those things are optional. Then what we are left with with the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad is those things which are mandatory and those things and the things of that give us his methodology. So if somebody says that was at the time of Prophet Muhammad and now we are different. Therefore, women should not wear hijab because now people are different. We have this statement, especially in the United States, some people speak like that. And the field, and they say the hajj, we can make hajj in Chicago. We, do, we know about those things, and we can make fast Ramadan in December. And praying is for you to do something else. We say those are not things that the Prophet did in a vacuum. Those things were meant to be done in that way and for that way to continue to the day of the judgment. So it's not something was done just out of habit, but it was done out of religious practice that was backed by the methodology of the Prophet so the issue of the hijab is not a cultural thing, but it's a thing that was mentioned in the Qur'an. In two places in the Qur'an, given exact details on how the woman should look like, whether she is inside of her house or outside of her house. So no one can come and say, but those things are cultural, as we hear in the United States. 
so that that he will give you an idea that the sunnah of the Prophet refers to his methodology to his ways of handling things. Somebody might come and who is, have heard some shubuhat, misunderstanding, and he say, well, you are talking to a tape recorder. At the time of Prophet Muhammad there was no tape recorder. So you're not doing what the Prophet was doing. We say similarly, at the time of the Prophet, there was no electricity, there was no car, there was no, uh, all the things that we enjoyed. Yet, those things are not part in the religion in the sense that we worship Allah by those things. But those things that Allah has brought forth for us in this time as His bounty, we can use them as means to understand this religion and to convey this religion. Therefore, if the Prophet did not use them because they were not there, that does not mean we do not use them because they are here. Similar to that, somebody says, if you want to grow your beard, why don't you go and ride the camel too? He said, there's a difference. You're either an idiot or you're acting like one. Wearing the beard is an act of worship. Whereas riding the camel is an act of ease. You use that which is available for you. You're not worshipping Allah by riding the camel. Allah did not mandate upon us to ride the camel five times a day. So by, so, by saying so, you can see the difference between that which is part of this our religion and we cannot play with it around and that which is an act of habit, an act of culture. As far as for the beer, I can really be surprised that how can people say that this practice is a cultural thing where the Prophet ordained that in many traditions, commanded from him. He said, grow your beard, let your beard grow. Do not cut your beard, trim the mustache, and let go of your beard. I was ordained by my Lord to grow my beard. We have the stories of all the messengers. All of them, they had beards, sallallahu alayhi wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reported when Musa took the beard of his brother. Aisha said, by the one that my soul in his hand, or by the one who beautified the men with the beard. So that leaves no doubt in the heart of the one who is seeking the truth to adhere that the growing the beard is part of our religion. If you do not want to do that for any reason, be quiet and cry for your own sins. But do not try to justify your practices by defying the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
So many of those people who are pulled to Islam with a Western approach, they say, yeah, they just say it. No big deal. This thing is no big deal except what is inside of the heart. We say what is inside the heart manifests itself and appears. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirmed in his book and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. But if we have misunderstanding the religion, the element of the misunderstanding, we will lose the correct understanding of this religion. From misunderstanding our religion and from following the temptation. وهذا وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. جزاك الله خير for this question was very important and give us this opportunity to talk about this issue. The remaining of the state is filled with Friday khutbah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى اله واصحابه والذين اتبعوكم باحسان الى يوم الدين وبعد. Today I would like to speak to you about a man that you know his name and you know his father's name and you read about him in books Ali, I want to speak to you about the best of the people, the most honorable of the people, the most, the purest of the people. I want to speak to you about the master of the people. I want to speak to you about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I want to start my talk by asking a question, who is Muhammad for you? Who is Muhammad as far as you are concerned? Who is he? For many, Alhamdulillah, he is their prophet and their messenger and the one who delivers the message with clarity and with no ambiguity. But that is the end of their perception of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the story does not stop at this point. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is your leader, your teacher, your preacher, your role model, and the example that you have to follow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, in the Prophet, there was an example for you to follow. Prophet Muhammad, the one who was given and he came with the guidance and with the true religion to make this true religion victorious over any other religion. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who came with the statement of Tawheed, the statement of La ilaha illallah. The statement of La ilaha illallah, brothers, has light, it has brightness to it. But the brightness of this statement varies between hearts and amongst hearts. Some people, the brightness of La ilaha illallah in their heart is just like a dim light. And for others, it's just like a lamp. And for others, just like a star. And for some, 
is just like the brightness of the day. And for some, the brightness of La ilaha illallah in their heart, just like the sun. The sun that dissipates all darknesses and will burn all temptations. For us to receive this brightness, we have to know what that La ilaha illallah means. What is the statement of Tawheed, the statement of La ilaha illallah, what does it mean? What does it mean, the statement that the Prophet came with to deliver the humanity from association with Allah? To deliver the humanity from transgression and aggression. So who is Muhammad as far as you are concerned? Is he your role model? Is he your teacher? Is he your preacher? Is he the example that you have to follow? Before you answer this question, we have to stop and pause and realize that there are people who live and their lifestyle is not in coherence with the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad whose affair is not according to the teaching of Islam, yet they are Muslims. They are our brothers and sisters in Islam and we love them and we care for them. Nevertheless, their lifestyle, they're not according to the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wasallam. We have to ask why. By asking why, we go back to the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wasallam. The Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad when he heard about Uthman bin Mag'oon. Uthman bin Mag'oon was a companion of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam who used to pray the night and to fast the day. Pray the night and fast the day. When Aisha radiallahu anha went to visit his wife and she saw his wife not taking care of herself, not putting on herself good clothing, she asked her, what was the situation? Why are you like that? She said to her, well, Uthman bin Mag'oon is the person who prays the entire night and he fasts the entire day. She just gave her this polite answer. She did not talk about him. She did not start backbiting him. She did not take him to the court. She just gave to him this polite answer. Aisha radiallahu anha, the smart woman, she told that answer to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for him to be aware of what's going on. This is not backbiting. This is not slandering. This is telling the Prophet وسلم, what was going on. The Prophet وسلم, went to Uthman bin Mar'oon and he said to him, Take And he said to him, politely and nicely and with ease, Are you in no need to follow my Sunnah or Uthman? Are you in no need? to follow my sunnah, O Uthman. Verily, I sleep in the night and I pray part of the night. I fast sometimes and sometimes I do not and I have my marital relation established. So fear Allah, O Uthman. Fear Allah, O Uthman. So we ask the people who do not align themselves 
and they do not allow their lifestyles according to the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, how we tell them with ease. Are you in no need to follow the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad? Are you in no need to follow the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad? Fear Allah, O slave of Allah. Fear Allah, O female slave of Allah. All of us, we are in need to follow the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad because he was the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to us as a bounty, as a favor, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah favored you that he sent a messenger amongst you from yourself. Why the Prophet came to us? To entertain us? The Prophet came to us to tell us and to recite for us the ayat of Allah and to purify us and to teach us the book and to teach us the wisdom. Those who do not get this benefit, they did not take the Prophet as their leader, as their teacher, as their preacher, and as their role model. They are not into it. They're not into, into it in Islam, but they are on the side of it. We have to get into it. We have to get into it, O Ikhwan. Are you in no need to follow the Sunnah, O Uthman? Fear Allah, O Uthman. This is what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. So let's stop at this ayah. The Prophet came to recite for us the ayat of Allah and to purify us. Purify us from shirk, from the contamination of shirk. And shirk, as we all know, one of the aspects of it is to worship other than Allah. And this everybody, alhamdulillah, is clear from, we hope. We do not worship an idol. We do not worship a statue. We do not call upon so and so and so. We worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is one aspect of establishing oneness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there is the second aspect. That is, we have to implement the rules of Allah. And the one who replaces the rules of Allah with others, he did not establish Tawheed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about the Jews and the Christians that they upheld, they upheld the priests and the rabbis as gods with Allah. Ali ibn Hatim, who was a Christian, he came to the Prophet and he said to him, Oh Prophet, we did not worship this. Meaning they did not worship the priests and rabbis. They did not pray for them, they did not slaughter for them, they did not make nether, nether for them. The Prophet وسلم, said, those people, if they make the haram thing halal, you will accept it as halal in your heart. And if they make the haram thing, the halal thing haram, then you will accept it in your heart. And this is worshipping them. This is worshipping them. I'll give you an example. There was a woman who was married to a Muslim man, and she is Muslim. A divorce took place between them. The law of the land here, if a woman divorces her husband, she gets half of what he owns. So she took her husband to the court to get half of what he owns. This is not according to an Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, have you seen, have you considered those who claim that they believe in what was revealed to you and what revealed before you. They want to make al-Qa'ud the rulers over their affairs, the judge over their affairs. So al-Tawheed 
not only about worshipping other than Allah Azza wa Jal, this is part of it. But Al-Tawheed means we have to accept the rules of Allah and we do not replace it with any other rules. This is Al-Tawheed. The Prophet وسلم, he made purification for his companions. They were purified. He trained his men to be the men of Al-Islam. To be the men on whose shoulders Islam was built. To sacrifice themselves and their money and their wealth for the sake of Al-Islam. They were truly men. We need to inculcate this menhood in ourselves nowadays. It's enough. It's enough having this muyu'ah, having this leniency, having this softness. We need to build, to build the men in us. We fight men, 20, 25 years old, younger and older. What's all what they care about is this song and this movie and this actress and so and so and so and so. Enough of all of that muyu'ah. We need to take care of our religion. We need to take care of our affairs. We need to be the men of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who is Muhammad for you? Is he your leader, your teacher, your preacher? Come close to us. Is he all of that for you? Then you have to build yourself, train yourself, discipline yourself to be from the men of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I'm going to give an example. And I'm going to target this example for the young, my age group, and younger. I would believe everybody knows or everybody heard that growing the beard is one of the obligatory rules in Islam for men. And this one of the rules, this rule is agreed upon by the four Imams of the Madhab. So nobody can tell me, well, I follow the school of thought of Imam Abu Hanifa or the school of thought of Imam Malik and try to get his way out. All of them agree that growing the beard is mandatory to practice upon every Muslim man. Then we find those young who have no excuse. Nobody can say, well, my boss will not give me the job or the government will chase after me or this or this or that. Every, all the excuses are now unborn. We ask those men by Allah, why you do not grow your beard as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asking you to do? As Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaching you to do? Isn't he your role model? Isn't he your example? How long we're going to go on in this leniency, in this heedlessness to the reality of Islam? Some people say, well, it's not pretty this and that, it's not good, it's not right, and they start giving you this excuse. We say the beauty of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created is much nicer than the beauty that was invented by Jilid J2. This is the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the beauty that Allah created the men with. This is why your mother and my mother used to swear and say, by the one whom beaut who beautified the men with the beard. So this is only an example to see how a lot of the men, the young of our nations, they're not taking this religion seriously. They're not taking it wholeheartedly. They're not getting into it. They are spending their time talking about this and that and other that have no benefit, none whatsoever. 
We have to start talking about issues of real consideration to our Muslims, to our Islam, to our establishment, to our strength and power. Who is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa for you? Are you no need to follow my sunnah or Uthman? All of us in the need to follow the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So we have to ride on the wave of following the sunnah and go on with it. I'll give you an example. There was a horse, and that horse was a slow horse, belongs to Abi Talha. One time there was a commotion in Al Medina, so the Prophet, the brave man, came and jumped on that horse and went to figure out what was going on. When he came back, he said, That horse is very fast, it's like the wind. The horse that was not going on fast, when the Prophet rode that horse, the horse was flying. If we are going slow, if we put the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad in our hearts and in our shoulders, we're going to be going flying fast. We're going to be moving ahead. But if we keep wasting of our time about this and that and the other and this singer and this actress and this movie and this and that, we're going to be stagnant, stuck in the Makanat Rawish. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from those who follow the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa From those who put themselves in reality and they model themselves in actuality after the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa to build ourselves to be the true men of Al-Islam. The true men who will build Al-Islam, insha'Allah, because we're going to be asked about the ni'mas of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wahada wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allah, 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 Allah,